Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Five Rings Podcast with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramay on the Sports Podcasting Network. Follow us and listen to us live on Twitter at Five Rings Podcast and like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Sports Podcasting Network for more content. Good day, good night, and welcome to the Five Rings Podcast. It's day six, and we're here to talk about our favorite moments of day six, of course. Our medals, our poutine, our wood, and of course, how we enjoyed this sixth day of official competition. And about the 2000th day of these Olympics, because they started way before the first day. But Dwayne, how are you today? Pretty good. Um, pretty good. Uh, I had a little more sleep last night. I was telling you off air. The last two shows, if you listen to me, I, I, like I, I do a lot of shows. So when I, I re-listen to myself back, I can tell when I'm like really, 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 really sharp in terms of my, my presentation, not my content. My content's always dead on, man. You gotta listen. <laughs> but in terms of my broadcast presentation, I can tell when I'm a little sharper. And when you don't have an eight-hour sleep and, and you've been living off a diet of... Uh, you know, samosas at 4 a.m. Um, <laughs> What's wrong with that? Yeah, well, they were tasty, but yeah, I'm not sure they're nutritious. Anyway, tasty, you're sometimes heartburns, but you know, it's all good. Yeah. Sometimes you're not as sharp as you'd like. And I was a little punch drunk in some of my presentations the last couple of days. I think I'm <laughs> going to be a little bit better today. That said, I can hear myself, and I'm talking 6,000 words a minute right now. So yeah, there you go. No, no promises, though. No, no, no promises. Yeah. Keep the bar. That's the, that's the trick. Keep the bar low. So you actually hit the bar. That's that's how you do a good high jump, right? But yeah, I was even in high school when I did the high jump. I couldn't even get over. So at one point, someone said you should try the multi-sport events because I could throw throw the shot a little <laughs> bit, and I was pretty fast and I was a good long jumper. But I couldn't even get over like I could barely fall onto the mat. The high jump. I'm not a tall man, so there you go. <laughs> Like, where are the stairs? There's no stairs? Okay, I can't do this. Uh, let's talk about a few things that caught our attention. Of course, Dwayne and I both watched a lot of judo last night. And I even got up at 4 a.m. to watch the end of uh, the women and the men's competition. The man was in 100 kilogram. And it got me an appreciation for the Budokan, of course. And, and you saw the respect in the fighters uh, about this place. And I wanted to... To talk a little bit about this place, when we alluded to it, saying that, oh, the Beatles played there, but that doesn't really make it justice. You know, when you when you think about sumo in your head, you know, and you have the whole, like, tradition and the whole, de like, decorum, so the protocols and everything, in your mind, well, 
that, that happens at the Budokan. When you have other ideas of, oh, what's that competition? Like the origin of mixed martial arts, pride. Oh, yeah, that started at the Budokan, too. Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki in 1976. That weird hybrid fight where Inoki had to fight off his back and kick the legs of Muhammad Ali. Well, that happened at the Budokan. The Beatles, yes. ABBA. So that's for you when I looked it up. <laughs> and in 1980, ABBA actually had a concert at the Budokan. So did Queen with Freddie Mercury. And one of the only venues that actually hosted Queen with Adam Lambert 30 years later. You had Led Zeppelin, Chicago, Deep Purple, Aerosmith, Fleetwood Mac. And no, there was no cranberry juice and guy on a longboard back in those days. But in the 70s, it hosted a bunch of amazing music concert. Also, Dwayne, did you know that since the, so I think it's since 2015, the New Japan Pro Wrestling is back at the Budokan with the big event once a year, the G1 Climax Final. It's a big tournament and the climax of that tournament, the G1 Climax, happens there. It's an amazing place. Ric Flair has fought there. I've talked about it before. But it's a place where you saw K1 kickboxing. It's the home of martial arts from the first official judo competitions in the 70s all the way to today. It's a special place, and you don't get that often at the Olympics, a place with this amount of history having a competition that is so fitting to the history of the place. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, I I know uh, New Japan because I listen to WrestleMe, which is a Skunanov uh, production, which is the Football Ramble Boys. They don't need my uh, my promotion. If you're listening to me, you probably know podcasts. If you know podcasts and listen to me, you probably know who the Football Ramble is. So don't worry about it. But they have a podcast called WrestleMe, which I listen to, which talks about New Japan all the time. You know where I know Budokan from though? Uh, there's a sort of a '70s uh, rock band called Cheap Trick that uh, they, they did their one of their most famous songs. They have a live version. And they go this, and it's called Live the Budokan. Yes, so that's how R- recorded in April the twenty seventh, nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, so this is our first <laughs> song on our new album. Mama's all right. Dad. Okay, it's cheap trick. By the way, there you go. That's how I know it. <laughs> and uh, that album was released in nineteen ninety eight and called A Budokan: The Complete Concert, where you had uh, that full three night concert all together. If you wanna check it out but it's one of these great places and by the way we talked about new japan all japan though is where the pro wrestling and the budokan really took place and i'm going to give you two names and um misoharu misawa who was one of the biggest japan wrestler ever of course strong style uh, very physical and and of course uh, when he retired and when he passed away it was hard to sell as much tickets same for Kenta Kobashi when he retired they ceased running regular shows at the Budokan at that point and eventually was the end of all Japan but that's the type of place it's a mythical place and we saw amazing fights in the judo competition last night this morning we'll talk about it later in our medals but a guy we're not going to talk about is Fonseca the dancing judoka He's from Portugal, of all places, and he celebrates when he wins a big tournament. We didn't get the chance to see him celebrate. He was in pain throughout this tournament. At one point, when he was fighting for his semifinal, he dislocated his thumb, and he was trying to put it back. He was facing the Korean show and was trying to put it back and wasn't able to, and eventually he conceded the fight with two seconds left, being a point down, and eventually ended up 
in a bronze medal against the Canadian, which we'll talk about later. But Fonseca, his heart that he showed and all that at the Budokan, and you saw the look on the athlete's face. I thought it was a great competition, a great time watching judo last night, early this morning, and I'm really happy that I did so. Yeah, I think that particular class, the 100 kilo class, is kind of maybe the most excitement because they have the most combination of power and speed at that point. Um, it'd be like a middleweight, essentially, in a boxing term. So so I thought that there was a lot of excitement involved in that. When you get the really big boys, it's a little slow. And when you get the little guys, they can't do the same amount of power. So that kind of middle range, like, you know, big, they're big guys, but they're not the biggest guys. You know what I mean? I, th- I think it's just a lot of excitement there. And it was a lot of fun to watch, and I'm glad I watched it. The, the good thing about the coverage last night, um, it was a chaotic early evening in terms of the options available. It was the most <laughs> I can remember in a while. It's eclectic too, the chaotic and eclectic. But it, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say it was. It reminded me of the the good old days of channel flipping. We don't channel flip anymore because you got to pick a stream and it's a little different. And that's kind of one of the things we've lost a little bit of streaming. Although you were set up last night, you could do a bit of that old school, right? Yeah. Like and and now. by the way, cord cutting is still a a portion of society. That's not full society. So there's still a lot of channel flipping going on too. So so both are still well, very present. Sure, but because OTT is out there, the networks don't have full events on different channels. Like if you go back to 2010, there were like eight different TV channels that were all showing events all at the same time. So you could literally go from one to one to one. Whereas mm-hmm. now you have, uh, at least from my experience, there's three channels in Canada that are basically doing package stuff. So you well, can't. Yes, the the. But when you look at example Sportsnet, and we'll we'll be very kidding and poking for a second here. When you look at example at Sportsnet and TSN, they show either team sport full game. Example Sportsnet will show the golf competition as a whole, uh, and you'll have team sports. The full games will be on TSN. The in between those. Team Sports on TSN, which is one of the things that it's focused on, you'll get the fillers package that you mentioned. And the swimming will be fully on CBC, but yes, outside of these predetermined team sports on TSN, competition, individual long-term competitions on Sportsnet, the rest, it is a bit more packaged because there is the opportunity. Like myself last night, I was watching five things at once from BMX to handball to field hockey to also beach volleyball. And let's not forget badminton with our Canadian C that uh, it's not going too bad at all. So so there was a, a five-screen night last night. It, no, exactly. Yeah, like I, I'm just, just thinking back even 10, 10, 11 years ago, you had um, the opportunity where we're like, because was, that was the, the height of the cable era. So they would go deep down to their cable channels. So like, CBC, whatever, like CBC had like 12 channels. Like, I don't even, they would forget what they called them now. And they had this one that normally would just show like knitting shows all day, had like, you know, dressage on it. I remember distinctly watching, having to flip to this channel that was like channel 84 at my parents' house when I was there for the London Olympics to watch nothing but the horsey stuff. And the horsey stuff was always on that channel. And now that channel doesn't even exist anymore. So it's kind of a bit different. It evolves, things evolve. I just wish there was a way. <laughs> that I could just more easily go from stream to stream, whereas the stream searching is driving me nuts right now because you have to find it, and then you have to click, and then you have to turn the other one off, and we'll have yeah. a different computer, and yeah. It's also... It's easy. Well, yeah, and it's also everyone has a different experience because everyone handles their own technology a bit differently, right? So I don't know that we're talking about that yesterday, and for him, he's been used since the beginning of the show, uh, of the, the Olympics, to find his stream as one place, but... And another place they're a bit more easy to find. And they're so it's also there, which link are you actually going to? 
and to be able to to get that channel surfing. Uh, one yeah. option I actually liked is from my apps or, or my browser experience here. Uh, they suggest also the next competition going at the same time on on uh, the top screen when you just first decide one. So there's a few things that I'm actually enjoying, and uh, it is like you say, it's evolving every every time too. So. I'll just say this, and I'll leave it alone. I was talking to an actual Olympian whose parents could not find their uh, an event that they were at uh, because it wasn't listed anywhere it should have been. So there are things that they can improve if they're listening, but I also understand that that has to do with resources in this country, and that's not something that we're going to get into because we're an international guy. So there you go. <laughs> All right, let's start with our wood medal because this is not our wood medal. We're not going to give our wood to the CBC at all. We're giving our wood medal to a team sport. The fourth straight loss last night. The men's field hockey team, the Canadian one. Yes, a hockey team from Canada. But on field, they lost their fourth straight game. And this time it was against Belgium. And it started better than we thought. You know, they, they conceded the first goal. But when they came back and they tied it. It was 1-1 for a little bit. And I'm like, all right, it's good. Not bad. 1-1, I can deal with that. They can play well defensively. They were they were keeping their shape defensively, if I can use that analogy. There's a lot of similitude. Similitude. That's a French word that I'm using in English this morning. A lot of similarity between soccer and field hockey in tactics. So they were keeping their shape. They were doing better, but then they weren't. And one became two, which became nine to one for their straight loss again. Four consecutive losses for the Canadian team at the Tokyo 2020 field hockey competition on the men's side. And I was disappointed by it because it was supposed to be a better tournament for this team. And they're eliminated, and they'll finish their tournament tonight or tomorrow morning, Tokyo time, against South Africa. Yeah, I'm not as disappointed because I, I didn't think it was supposed to be a better tournament for them because this is the weakest region for the sport. The, the very fact you refer to the sport as field hockey kind of betrays a little bit of why uh, right there. Because in the rest of the world, it's not field hockey. What we play is ice hockey, uh, and that's just hockey. So there you go. Um as you say, it, it, it owes a lot more to uh, sports that don't have the same sort of history and, and success in this part of the world. Uh, Canada, to get back to this Olympics, was a significant accomplishment for them. Uh, Argentina generally represents this region. Uh, those two are the two on the men's side, or the two um, powers is a strong way to put it, because uh, they're not particularly good on the global stage. It's a very European and Asian sport, and, uh, and once again, that's going to be the case. So, uh, you know what they got? They'd be good to get there, but as you say, it's not been that competitive. What I'll expand this a little bit further, though, and say that um, the Olympic sports across the board, the team sports across the boards, do struggle with that. That there are sports out there that are very, very popular in parts of the world that deserve, in my mind, to be in the Olympics, but they have a, an <laughs> issue with um, how spread out they are competitive like a competitive competitiveness yeah competitiveness like cricket should be in the olympics well t20 cricket should be in the olympics but it would be 12 countries that would be competitive and then you have four more countries to make up the numbers and canada would be one of them and we would get trashed all the time just like it is the case right here it, yeah yeah we probably would make them well it, it would be interesting actually the north american because you might actually see some Caribbean countries that would step up and, and make it just like you see in the rugby sevens. But but that's a, another topic. But, yeah, the, the reality is that if you 
you, one of the criteria to team sports to get into the Olympics is you have to be competitive and and I believe it's yeah it has to be widely played. Then I forget exactly how they determine what they mean by widely in three of the five continents, um, and that's not always easy to find. You know, the bat ball sports, which cricket would be part of it, really struggle with it because they're massively popular where they're popular, but they're almost invisible where they're not. <laughs> All or nothing. And, yeah. It's either the most favorite sport, like in Japan, baseball, the States, base, uh, baseball, of course, and you go to India for, for cricket, but then you go to, I don't know, name Mexico. Cricket's not going to be really well played. Yeah. Well, you know, cricket makes its own bed too because of the Indian Cricket Federation kind of runs the cricket show and if we go between Olympics we should absolutely have a conversation about that there's some great documentaries out there of how like Indian cricket's essentially like the IOC and not in a good way if you follow and we'll leave it at that for now but you know <laughs> like players being told okay you're moving to to Brampton to go play for a team and then two months later you it's like a traveling show same yeah. players moving from place to place but no you're right Yeah, just as a funnel. And I've actually mentioned this a few times already in this Olympics, and this is a big week. Just the IOC, one of my bugaboos about them is that when it comes to their sports selection, when it comes to just how they they run everything, they're incredibly, not just Euro-focused, they are like rich Western Euro-focused. And if the sport's not played there, like it's invisible to them. So that's why a sport like handball, which I love handball, and I've been joking and slash moaning about it on twitter that it's unavailable to me it's very i i don't understand why it's not popular it's a great sport it's hell fun to play and i think most of us have played it at some point but it's like in gym class as part of our we used to call it uh, glow games of low organization so that was our unit in gym and we'd play handball in that all the time we'd love it but then we'd forget about it till the next year when we played it anyway and but, you're like uh, what are the rules again can i jump am i allowed to pass what are the rules exactly yeah but but It's really only played in Europe, but yet it remains in because it's in front and center of their mind, whereas like baseball, softball doesn't gets kicked out all the time. Um, this kind of speaks to that, that this in a way, too. And I'm not saying that they, they should kick it out. I'm wondering, though, whether the solution might be um, to allow these sports to be in there, particularly when the Olympics are being held in countries where they're popular like they are now. And I think the IOC is kind of going that way a little bit. We see that with softball, baseball now. Well, you, you get one, right? You get one sport now as a host country that you decide and comes in yeah. regardless. And there's no ifs or buts about it. So it was Japan and softball. It was softball and baseball for Japan. It'll be interesting to see uh, off the top of my head. I don't know what it is for Paris. But, you know, it will be interesting to see those decisions going forward because if you are a country like India, if you get the Olympic Games, well, cricket would definitely be your choice. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Paris, it'll be um, judging tourists will be the sport to win the gold. Um, <laughs> just, or just like being rude. <laughs> Hi to all my cousins in France. How are you today? There you go. Uh, anyway, to finish the thought and then wrap up, uh, maybe the answer is to not necessarily have the to make every region have to be represented. I guess that's kind of against the Olympic ideals, but if a region really doesn't play it at any level at all, then is it in the best interest to have a team get there get rolled? Like I watched South Africa play Canada in water polo the other night. It was the opposite of what we're talking about now. It was 20 to one. It, and it, it was like, and the Canadian women were not, Like, they were just going through the motions. They weren't over-celebrating. There was no sort of embarrassment there. The South Africans are competing. I'm sure that they have a wonderful Olympic experience. I'm not trying to take that away from them, but I just don't know whether it adds to anything because it wasn't a compelling thing to watch. And Canada gets it win. It gets through it and all that. But, you know, it's 
is it the answer? I don't know. Um, I don't know. May, but and we can't just add every sport. We get that too. It's it's that's why you know I've advocated for a lot of different things, but I'm not the person of the IOC, and I don't think I'll ever well be. So, so maybe we'll move on. Yeah, let's move on to our poutine medal for day number six. Let's go and it goes to the Canadian Shadi El Nahas Judoka Judo in a men's 100 kilogram finish fourth in this competition. Lost a bronze medal fight versus the former world champion of Portugal, Fonseca, the dancing judoka we talked about. Uh, Fonseca won with a point, of course, in this one. El Nahas, though, had a great competition overall. He had very difficult opposition. He lost in the quarterfinals to the best judoka on the planet from Georgia, Lipertigliani. He's the reigning world champion. Fonseca won the champion before that. And Lipertigliani is also ranked number one in the world. And El Nahas lost to him. But then in the repechage, El Nahas beat Palchik. El Nahas is ranked eighth. Palchik, the Israeli judoka fighter is ranked fourth and El Nahas was able to epoe him with an amazing turn of his hips to land him flush on his back done it was over and then he qualified for his bronze medal and he did do quick work also on the Haas with a great performance versus Rimarenko the Palestinian and then versus Kotsoyev who's from uh, Azerbaijan and he did great against these two fighters and he has amazing throw, amazing power. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with in this competition. He's going to be to Paris, and he's going to be maybe a favorite for the gold medal in Paris. And the Haas is just started, but it was quite a competition, and he was fun to follow all night long. Yeah, it was a stacked, stacked draw, uh, that 100K uh, division, and... and... You know, judo is such a technical sport, as you say, and, and it has a, you know, the athletes that are successful at it, they have to combine the physicality with just the brains. It's like anyone who's been in a combat sport at ever, like, in, you know, I'm not going to overstate this, but when I was young, I did participate in amateur wrestling, which is a combat sport. And it's just a different type of thing. And like the how you're successful on it is not just physicality like it is in all athleticism like it is in other sports. You have to combine that with just the experience and the wisdom, which maybe he's not quite there yet. And you saw that with some of those guys that ultimately won that. And it was an incredible competition to watch. Go back and watch the replay if you get a chance or watch Judo tonight if you get a chance before it's gone. Um, I think of all the – like I'm a big fan obviously of amateur wrestling because I did and I understand it very well. But the one that kind of most com- most hits it is Judo to me. It's a, The scoring system not as intuitive. Um, as it is in amateur wrestling, but it, it's similar in the sense of it's about like trying to use your opponent's weights and movements against them and, and to flip and to use body positioning and, and cork strength. It's all kind of similar. It's it, it's a really good thing to watch. I, I recommend it is what I'm saying. So so give it a chance. I think there's only about one more full day left. So, so get out there before it's gone. Um, the striking ones are a little less interesting to watch. Although I am curious to watch karate, the other new sport, which hasn't played yeah. yet. So. Taekwondo has been disappointing to me. I kind of want—I kind of watched a little bit of Taekwondo. We didn't have a lot of Canadian athletes that were uh, at a high level this time around, and it didn't catch my attention as much as the judo did. But the judo was a fun competition. We may be touching on that competition a bit more later on on the show. We'll have a short break. When we come back, we'll break down our bronze 
our silver and our gold medal for day number six at the Tokyo 2020 Summer Games. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back on the Five Rings Podcast, Kev Larman with Dwayne Rollins. It's that time of the day where we look at the moments that caught our attention for the right reasons during day number six. Let's start with our bronze medal, Dwayne, and this is a competition that is now going to be remembered forever. History. History took place. It was, of course, the shooting the trap shooting competition on the women's side and Alessandra Perilli from San Marino won the bronze medal on that one it was the first ever medal for San Marino which became the smallest country ever to win a medal during an Olympic Games indeed and I watched it live which you know I felt kind of as an Olympic freak that I got to watch the smallest ever nation win its first ever uh, the smallest ever nation to win a medal and I, I got to see it live I, I think that's kind of fitting that some mm. geeky guy like me at three <laughs> in the morning obviously too because that <laughs> makes it perfect very um, on brand that's very on brand for you doing yeah uh, look a couple things about this first off the competition was amazing um and I know some of you out there listening going you're talking about trap shooting Dwayne slow your roll, pump your brakes, whatever you want to say there. But no, the shooting events have actually changed a little bit in recent years, and I'll get there in a second. But but in terms of the actual competition, the San Marino woman that you mentioned, obviously, uh, she's been around for a long time. This is She's been to other Olympics. She finished fourth in an Olympics, um, the last one in, in, um, in Rio. So, so she was right there close to the podium before. So for her to get that breakthrough and to get a medal for a tiny little nation that you know, those of us in the in the soccer world hear of San Marino every so often when they lose like eight one to Germany or something. Um, that's that's the case. It's it's near Italy and it's only thirty three thousand people. So you know, limited resources, right? Um, you know, it's great for them to get through. the The woman who won had been won two straight silvers, so she broke through to get get her gold finally and and has been near the top of the sport. And the American um, that uh, finished in the silvers position. Uh, she was the last qualifier. She was, was the youngest person in the final, and, and it was a remarkable sort of comeback. She'd missed uh, three of her first four shots and then ran 20 in a row off to put herself in the position. So it was a, a very well-battled uh, final. Quickly, Kevin, I want to explain the format. If you haven't watched a shooting event before, it, it actually they've done a really good job. And I remember talking about this when we did a Commonwealth Games uh, coverage. We covered the Commonwealth Games five years ago, I think, 
six years ago, maybe. Uh, weren't they in like in 2016? Wasn't the year after the Pan Am, like in, in Glasgow? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that must have been it. We because we we had good coverage to access to it here, so we ended up doing three shows through it. And so we talked about shooting in one of those. And one of the things they changed around that time was shooting used to just be about targets. You went into a range, you'd shoot, you'd get points. They'd count the points up. At the end of the day, whoever had the most points got the gold, second most the silver, third most the bronze. Not exactly compelling for TV or for spectators, <laughs> right? No, because like, okay, just get... I thought it was just a procession of people shooting at inanimate objects. Yeah, and you can't really see anything. They're just standing there shooting, which is still just standing there shooting. But the way that they do it now is that they, they still do have to rank you. So you have your ranking day where you go in and you do exactly what used to be the competition. You get a certain amount of points. In a particular case of the, of the trap shooting event last night, which some people might call it skeet shooting, when the thing goes, the puck goes in the air and you have to shoot the puck, so there's a little bit more visuals happening with this one. So if you're going to watch one, watch that one, um, if you like visuals. At any rate, so they they did the whole qualifying round, and, and the top six shooters from both the men's and the women's compete respectively to go into their own final. And then those six people all take 25 shots each, one after another, rotating in the position that they start in, because there's three different places that they start. And after those 25 shots, whoever is sixth of the six, so the last place finisher from the six in terms of the amount of targets hit, is eliminated. And then they do five more shots. And then the fifth one is eliminated. Then five more shots. Fourth one's eliminated. Now you're in your meadows. Five more shots. Third one's eliminated. Five more shots. Is there a one-two break? If not, they go to a sudden death shootout. And in the men's side of things, which isn't on our medals, that sudden death shootout lasted like 12 rounds it was, and it gets more and more intense right because like oh he's got to hit it or the goal's done and like it, it it i know that in one way i'm still describing two guys standing there shooting a ski target however when you watch it live it really does play out as a really compelling thing to watch and it's quick too both the men's and women's final last year or last night combined took about an hour and a half and that's with a long break in the middle in the ceremonies so it's not a big investment it's it's kind of fun to watch the streams are out there um, I'm sure that you probably haven't been spoiled by the results. So if you're looking for something this afternoon, if you're having a little bit of a wall, pick up one, grab it and watch it because they actually are pretty entertaining and you can get into it pretty quick because, you know, you get to see the, the, these people's faces and their personalities come out a little bit when they miss, and especially with the, the way that they shoot the trap because it's a shotgun. So they have to get rid of the shell. So like they'll clip their rifle down if they miss they'll take the shell and they'll whip it into the bin <laughs> or sometimes they'll like flip it like kind of cockily if they got the shot right it's fun give it a try yeah they're like like swinging the bat the, the baseball you know they're doing the same with the gun no you can't do that with a shotgun no flipping no flipping allowed thanks but no it's an interesting aspect and I'll, I'll take your word for it I'll I'll give it a shot no pun intended there, there you go. Yeah, it, it, look, I said two days ago, you asked me what I was looking most forward to, and I said, well, I'm looking forward to finding out what I don't know yet. And that's what the Summer Olympics, more than the Winter Olympics either, but Winter Olympics to a certain extent, but the Summer Olympics especially is about, and last night that's what it was. I had no intention at midnight even of watching the Women's Trap Final. I I've explained to you that I understand how the sport works now and that I know that it's more compelling. So I'm not against it. I just would never have put that written on a list when I, at the start of the Olympics. But yet, 
I'm looking around. I'm kind of bored of one thing that I'm watching. Uh, there's a bit of a lull in the schedule. I go, okay, I'll try that. And then I end up having a great time. And there's an outside chance that when we do our final medals for the games, like our, we will name our overall gold, silver, brown, bronze, et cetera. When I do mine, it's possible this one might be on it because it has a lot of historical stuff and it was fun. And it was, and I always love that. The, the discovery is a big, a big part of what I love about, about the summer games. And, and that's one of the reasons I moan about OTT so much is because it's harder to discover new stuff because you have to curate it yourself. Now you don't have a, you know, ironically, when it was gatekeeped, it was a little bit easier to discover because they well, used to put more new stuff on. Yes, or at least they would just show you like two minutes of it and then it would catch your attention and then you would never see it for another eight years and then you would stumble upon it or something, right? So so it has to be a more conscious decision, I guess, to discover something. Yeah, well, exactly. You, If you discover, you're going to watch the whole thing. It's not just a blip in and out. Like, they always have done packaging with Olympic coverage. But they used to do packaging that was a little more geared around, at least in this country, that was a little more geared around the sport. Now, the more like the American version, we'll call it, which is the narrative driven. So that you see a lot more like this is the coach and this is the adversity that they overcame. And again, not to get into kind of a topic, but I'll finish it after this. Like there's value to that. My mom wants to watch the Olympics, too, and she's not a real sport person. So she wants to learn all that stuff. And I'm not trying to take their coverage away. I just wish they find it's always they've got to find a balance and i'm not sure they're quite hitting it in this one but whatever that's a topic you know if i ever get a chance to talk to the cbc guys uh, which i do (laughs) i'll I'll let them know it's also very subjective so you might not agree listening to Dwayne, and that's also absolutely fine yeah i just want sports i'm a sports fan and (laughs) i fall way on that side of the spectrum right like it's a continuum and you know left right continuum far left being the people that only want to watch sports and the far right people that only watch want to watch profiles on the athletes i am very much on the far left when it comes to it and I, I recognize that let's take a look at our silver medal for day six it is jessica fox gold medal in the women's slalom in the c1 category it is her second medal at the olympic games in tokyo 2020 she won a bronze medal in the k1 event a few days ago. It's not her first medal, too. In 2012, when she was only 18 years old, she represented Australia, which she still does, at the K1 event, and she won a silver medal at the age of 18 years old. And in 2016, she took the bronze at the K1 event at Rio de Janeiro, and now we have the C1 event making its debut at the Olympic Games this time around, and she gets the gold medal. For that women's slalom, which is another interesting aspect. Uh, those white water events, the C and the K1, are interesting. And Jessica Fox, a legend on the World Cup and the World Championship circuit, is now a gold medal Olympic champion for the C1 category. Yeah, as you say, she's, she's an athlete that's uh, had a lot of success in her sport for a lot of years but hadn't been able to get the Olympic gold medal to sort of cap off that career. Um, and part of that was because her best event, the one the one we're talking about now, was not part of the Olympic program. Um, it has, like a lot of other events that were on the men's side but not the women's side, been added this time because of the initiative that, you know, the IOC has decided to join the 20th century here in the 21st, 20 years into it. So that's... <laughs> be like, well, you know... 
uh, we, we should have same events on both sides, at least the, as close as we can. Yeah, and, and so anyway, so that happened last night, but it was what really put it over the top for me was she was the top competitor going into the second run. So she, you know, was the top, top seed. And as you know, most of those events that are one down at a time, time, the last person down is the one that's favored to win, usually, right? So they're, the expectation is all on them. And, and there's a lot of pressure associated with that. And a lot of pressure, especially when you're a legend in the sport and you have a medal yet and all this thing, it's your best event, you finally have your chance. The run she put down was, it, it even to a neophyte eye, I mean, I've watched a little kayaking canoe and whitewater over the years, but like I wouldn't call myself an expert by any means. Even to someone who doesn't watch it all the time, it was clear just how amazing it was, how perfect it was. She hit the perfect run. And the commentator, who does watch a lot of it, it was a former Olympian commentating, was you could tell by their voice just how excited they were to watch it. Like this was every stroke was perfect. Every gate she hit was perfect. There was it wasn't even a question there was going to be a penalty involved in this. About halfway down, like you weren't even worried that she was going to get a penalty anymore. It turns out that her time from top to bottom was would have put herself in the top ten of the times from top to bottom with the kayak the day before. And the canoe is a much slower boat down. So that tells you a little something about just how good she did it. She ended up winning by five or six seconds at the end, which is an incredible margin for victory in this event. Dominant performance by an athlete that that was expected to win, but hadn't in the past, and finally got her gold medal in the the event that probably she cared about most of all. And and it's just a nice moment, and, and you know, in a different way than what we talked about in the last one. It wasn't mm-hmm. a surprise. It's an expected nice moment, but those expected dominant performances can be really brilliant too and they can be part of what what makes an Olympic special higher faster stronger and they can be hard too because you have to deal with the expectation of performing what you're expected to do so to meet the expectation and and win when you're supposed to win when the entire world of your entire world of sport is watching yeah it's not easy and we all can can't understand and can't comprehend but we can all see that that pressure it's not easy to handle. No, of course not. And, you know, the Whitewater uh, Park looks brilliant as well. They always do. I don't understand why they don't keep those parks around in the urban centers. Because uh, I would love to try it. They, they just ride, ride kayaks and be like, okay, you can go down. I just want to be expensive or something. Yeah. Because, I, like, I was thinking that in 2015. I've been thinking a lot about TO 2015 of late because of obvious reasons. This is the Olympics that a lot of those competitors would would peak at right so so it's in front of my mind and you know i went for a walk around past a few of the venues yesterday too uh so there you go although they're you know those venues are places that i see all the time but but nonetheless it was just in a different light to see them but at any rate like i always wondered at the time like why isn't that whitewater park still around like wouldn't that have been great like i was hoping that back in 2015 that all these amazing things that there'd be like beach volleyball world cups down at, it, it hasn't happened which, no because you know, they just they they destroyed that it was a temporary stadium, which it was a well, most of this most of the Olympic venues now are going to be temporary venues with a few that are going to be permanent, which is, I guess, more sustainable. Yeah, for sure. But they could they could set it back up again. <laughs> that's it's more of an organization and a, a will than uh, than I guess a possible. You know, that's the the big uh, difference here. I because I, I have to remind myself sometimes that that 
you know, especially in when you're in a big city and my big city is like all others this way, that there's a lot of cynical people out there that always poo poo anything that they don't recognize instantly. Like if it's not what they know, like in your city, if it's not the Habs in my city, if it's not the Leafs, basically, mm-hmm. maybe the Raptors, if they're doing well, uh, then people go, well, why would I care about that? Because I'm a sophisticated urbanite and I don't care about something as silly as a beach volleyball tournament. I don't know what accent I'm putting on now, but there yeah, you go. I, I have no idea what accent you're using, but, you know, it's a, uh, sure, it works. Yeah, it's my pompous Forest Hill accent is what it is. <laughs> All right. It's that moment of the day. It's the golden moment, the golden medal, the gold medal for day six. It is Aaron Wolf. Japanese gold medal in judo. Dwayne, that was impressive. Yeah, he's a very impressive athlete, and we talked about this a lot today. Uh, it's funny how any one day in the Olympics, even though there's 50,000 things happening there, we end up drilling down on one because it both catches our eye at the same time. Um, that entire competition, there were five guys in it, or four guys in it at least, five guys maybe that in any other Olympic year I think might have been gold medalists. It was just, I think, that deep. And he was so technical, so efficient. So, like, there was an element of um, swagger to him yeah. that you don't always see. Uh, particularly with Asian athletes, I don't mean to stereotype, but, you know, there are characteristics of certain places that come through and that, you know, deference wasn't there in the same way. It was pretty obvious that he understood that he had a certain skill and respect, but also confidence that that really came off and came through uh, and yeah just a, a tremendous performance by and of course he was the 2017 world champion those world championship took place in budapest in the world of judo and in 2019 it took place in tokyo at the actual budokan and he finished on the, the podium finishes with a bronze medal in 2019 that's the one that fonseca won so fonseca won in the actual building where he won a bronze uh, he won a gold medal during the last world championships of judo but for aaron fox it was also japan's eighth consecutive gold medal in judo there has been eight gold medal awarded in judo and japan has won every single one of them talk about a clean sweep of your favorite event for a country as a host nation japan is putting a marker down in the world of judo and they could sweep the entire competition yeah and and obviously judo is the martial art that originated in japan it it came into the olympic uh, program in 1964 at the the original tokyo olympics um and at that time it was a sport that maybe a lot of some people didn't think would stick around because you know it was really only japan that, that did it what they've done and they've got to be proud about this in some ways is they both managed to expand the sport worldwide. But I would suggest be uh, maybe the most famous world martial art worldwide or jiu-jitsu might be, but uh, because of MMA's connection, but nonetheless, it's up there. It's like one of the, it's well known everywhere, right? Like every part of the world does judo and you're seeing that on the mat. There are great, um, great fighters from every part of the world on this, but yet you've managed to do that, spread what you love all around the world and also maintain your own excellence. And that's got to be something that's got to make the Japanese people proud in their, in their home Olympics. And I, I can only imagine what that atmosphere would have been like last night with that. And, you know, that's something we'll dwell on a little bit and a lot throughout this entire Olympics, but judo was something that they passionately would have wanted to, to do this in and they've done it in. And hopefully 
in the living rooms at least there were a lot of cheering and a lot of happiness for the Japanese people because you know they got this what they wanted and that was a dominant and amazing performance in what is a sport that they would have probably more than I suspect they want the baseball goal too but yeah uh, almost more than any other that they would have wanted those goals and they got one last night with a, a, an amazing performance in what was an incredible event that I'm happy that I watched and now, before we say goodbye for today, here's the medal standings after day six. Updated, up-to-date, Japan, top of the food chain with 15 gold medal. The United States of America are second with 14. The People's Republic of China are also on 14 gold medal. But, of course, they have less total medals, so they're third. Rock, the Rock, not Dwayne Johnson, but ROC. The Olympic Committee from the country that shall not be named are fourth with eight gold medals. Australia trailing, but very slim. Also, eight gold medals. Great Britain fifth. And our very own Canada is 11th after day six. Two gold medals, three bronze, three silver, and five bronze. A new bronze was added yesterday in the pair in uh, the rowing competition so that was a good medal for canada and that's where things stand after day six yeah you didn't have to say what gender because when it's canada it's only been one so far every so medal, far it's been a woman right every single medal every, every medal's been female um look and the reason for that has a lot to do with how we fund our athletes in this country and how it's self-perpetuated and also because of things that other countries don't do but nonetheless, it's still worth celebrating that, and, and you hope that the, the men can get on the board soon. Um, I suspect the men in Canada will get on the board soon because tonight, Kevin, is the start of the track meet, and most of Canada's strength on the track side is actually on the men's side. So so there you go. If there's going to be medals there, uh, there's, you know, Damien Warner, there's our buddy Evan, uh, there's, there's uh, the 4 by one there's, there's a lot going on. There's even Andre de Grasse who could surprise us and get on the podium for a medal. Maybe more likely at a 200 than a 100. Maybe more likely to be a bronze one. But, you know, you never know with the boy from Scarborough. Yeah, and uh, it's also surprising to me, but it, it reflects the, the need to, to get the equality up there that the track means starting this early. Uh, this is the earliest I ever remember a track means starting. We are two days ahead of what it normally would be, and that reflects yeah. our events. <laughs> the pool is not, uh, has not wrapped up yet, and... and the athletics are starting, so you which know. happened in Rio as well. Sorry to interject. It happened in Rio as well, but it's an extra day forward, even more so now. So there's two days left in the pool, and there's two days. They're crossing over two, not one this time. So yeah, of <laughs> get course. bigger, and bigger, and bigger and bigger. We'll keep an eye on the track, on the pool, of course, on the mat, and more competition over the next 24 hours. We'll be back tomorrow with another. Yes, another review, and this time it will be day number seven. Already a week, Dwayne. It's going to be a week tomorrow. Yeah, it's halfway on Saturday, uh, so I'm not yet in the depression yet. Uh, you, you say it's when the it's not really when the track starts that I get depressed. It's when the hundred meters are done because that's when the track's like really going at that point, mm. and the swimming's done at that point. And and there's some team sports. Well, there's already one team sport that has wrapped up. That's softball. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 
it's a, it's getting there for sure. And and look, there's a lot of fun stuff tonight. One of my favorite events is tonight. Uh, it starts tonight. That's that's what I I like to lovingly call it the bouncy bouncy. And of course, I'm talking about the trampoline. Uh, and <laughs> so 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 our our friend Rosie, who's a, a two time defending gold medalist in the women's uh, trampoline, she has started her defense tonight to become the first Canadian in history to possibly win three. She's in with a chance. She's the second rated ranked um, jumper leaper trampolinist i guess is what you would say uh, heading into this so that'll be fun a lot of good stuff the only so the middle weekend is the crazy weekend and it's friday in tokyo so it's the middle weekend guys exactly and until then you can follow doing on social media at 24th minute myself at kev Larame, and this show at five rings podcast thank you for subscribing thank you for making this a top podcast in the sports category over the last few weeks but as always until next time For Dwayne Rollins, I'm Kev Laramie. We wish you a great Olympiad.